0: Tuned in to Mastering Mitzvahs. Mastering Mitzvahs, a podcast focused on creating the perfect bar and bot mitzvah celebration, offering tips, tricks, and trends to ensure an amazing event. Mastering mitzvahs. From New Jersey's own Explosive Entertainment. Explosive Entertainment.
1: I know you're gonna dig this. And here they are, your hosts, Jordan Marshall and Mike Langzer.
0: Alright, we're back. Mastering Mixes, episode thirty-three. Michael Langsner and I'm sitting here with my man
1: Dylan Weisman. Yeah, I'm surprised you invited me back. I, I didn't know if I did the right the right call last time, but uh, it's good to be back. This is your third, right? This is uh I think I'm on four now. See, you're part of the team, oh, dude. I'm four. I think I got four now. It, just as a reminder for those listeners,
0: so Explosive Entertainment merged a couple months ago now with Flair and Dylan is the proud owner and founder of Flair and now he's a, a proud partner. I hope proud. Oh, it's,
1: it's, a, it's definitely something to be proud of. Uh, I mean, I know Philadelphia has eaten up our new process, and it's definitely exciting. Um, I'm surprised you're not sick of me yet. No. we got to spend I, a lot of time together. I get
0: you one day a week in person, but I, I think we're on the phone way more than I talk to my <laughs> wife. So um, Anyway, let's get into this. So what I want to talk about today is dancers at Bar and Bob Mitzvahs. Um, the reason why I want to bring this up, and you know, I hit you up last night with a text about it, is... I feel like it's all over the boards, you know, some clients saying, I don't want dancers. Others saying, I have no idea how many dancers. So let's kind of give a little insight. And I just want to start with saying, I hate the turban dancer, because they do so much more than that. But that is kind of the industry term. So to some extent, we're kind of sick sticking with it. I mean, you could call them a motivator,
1: motivator, party enhancer, dancer, I mean, as long as they're there as an assistant role on the floor, that's really the role that we're going to be talking about today.
0: Now, did you start as a dancer?
1: No, I was actually a professional box mover. I mean, I started, <laughs> I started when I was 12 years old, so I was the same age as the kids going to the events. I, I remember seeing my friends at events. I wasn't going to them. I wasn't invited. I was a loser. Uh, so I wasn't invited to the event, but I was working the event. And I was, like, moving crates of CDs because I was huge at 12, so... I'm
0: guessing the guy that hired you didn't really care about child labor laws at the time. <laughs> no,
1: no. <laughs> no, he'd pick me from my family, and i never seen them since. And how were you getting paid? With,
0: like, candy at the time?
1: Like, like, cheesesteaks <laughs> and, and baseball cards. That's
0: awesome. So you were never a dancer. I was never a dancer. That's rare, actually, in this business because most of the talent kind of make their way up from dancer to MC. Now, I, you know, you, you're an MC and a DJ. I, I don't do too much emceeing. But, I mean, let's just talk about the role of dancers and what we've seen through the years and what works, what doesn't work, why they're necessary and uh, why we hate the term dancer because it's so much
1: more than they do. Well, from the way that we start training our dancers, we don't even, I mean, at least from the way that I've seen you guys run it and the way that I used to run it, um, I look at personality first. Like, foremost, personality. If they can't Talk to, uh, you know, ten-year-olds, five-year-olds, grandma, and thirteen-year-olds, all with positive and with great outcome. Then we're not even considering them for the dancer spot, let alone their dance abilities. I've had incredible talent, like Broadway-style ballerinas, come through my door, and they're just not the right personality fit. So. The first thing we're going to talk about is is personality when it comes to hiring these dancers. And I think that that's the most important thing.
0: It sounds like you're talking about, like, dating. You could have the hottest date in the entire world, but if there's no personality, it's just still fun to look at. Well,
1: so it's funny because I've had some of those just fun-to-look-at dancers. And, like, they will be called upon by request by the dad or the uncle or the bar mitzvah boy because they're fun to look at. I had a uh, an Eagles cheerleader that worked for me, and she was notorious because... Uh, she wouldn't really be engaging in any one way, but she was an Eagles cheerleader. So that had a a spark factor for them. I mean,
0: there's limited format to this podcast, obviously. We're going to go all over the place. But, I mean, just to touch on that for a second, on our website, we have pictures of the dancers. We allow clients to choose, but they don't really know what they're choosing. They're choosing from a photo and a little bit of a bio unless they've seen them in action otherwise. So for the listeners, I'm going to tell you straight up, let the entertainment company pick who's best for you you know uh, looks are definitely important you know it's a fickle industry looks are important but let us pick who we think is the right fit for an event and i think any entertainment company would do the same they're going to pick who's going to make that party as good as possible when they're doing their staffing
1: yeah without a doubt like i have families who will reach out to me and say i want such and such a dancer and sure we're going to take your request consideration because either you connected with them at an event or they have the right look for your event, or the right style, the right swag. But when it really comes down to it, uh, a lot of families will say, hey Dylan, I'm having this type of event, you've gotten to know us, you've gotten to hang out with us, you've gotten to get to know what we're looking for, can you pick the best team that's right for us? And that will end up determining our our dancer staff. And we're never going to, I mean at least any reputable company is never going to, Put the put less than their best product out there.
0: I, I I know. I mean, when we do our staffing, we lead with talent, not expenses or looks. It's oh, we food. spare no expense. Are you kidding? Yeah, me? Unfortunately, yeah, it's yeah, like, our
1: biggest cost, our biggest line item after every single time. I can't believe how much we spend on talent. But so
0: so let's also say that the length of time in the industry is important, but it's not the end all be all. Because you know, we we recently took on some new talent that are stellar,
1: male and female, that are just absolutely stellar. And just have the personality. Just like in any industry, if you have the it factor and you have the talent that drives it and it's just raw and untrained, it's going to be really easy just mold into the position that's best suited for our industry. I mean, we find them as actors and we find them as waitresses and we find them as camp counselors. And they may have just a tiny bit of dance background, but it's not the first thing that we're going to see. I mean, one of our guys, Samaj... Started out as a dancer. I found him when we were... I was lifeguarding a camp picnic, and he was just intoxicating to watch. He was just having such a great time that I wasn't not having a great time watching him do his thing. That's funny. So, I never heard that story. Oh, yeah. I never heard that yeah, story. I was, I was lifeguarding his... I think he was a junior in high school. And he was just, like, dancing with his friends in the pool to the music that was playing and just... It was contagious, and I went up to him straight to his face and said, you ever been to a barman? So he goes, no. I said, you're going to be going to mm-hmm. a lot of them. You're going to come work with us. That's cool. And the, hist- and the rest is history. So, I mean, I've done that with waitresses. I've done that with, um, uh, with actors that I've seen in plays. I just go right up to him and say, you have a great personality. And I think that draws back to where we start with dancers. So when you as a client are going to go out and request dancers, ask, hey, I have a really shy kid. Do you have a good personality for a shy kid? Or I have a spark plug, you know, wild and crazy. Do you have someone who's going to accent their flavor? And we know our staff better than anyone. We can tell you who we would recommend. Yeah, you know what? Um, the time that
0: the danceability of a dancer comes in handy is when the bar bat mitzvah, usually bot mitzvah girl, is a dancer herself. That's the only time I'd say... You know, that, that our dancers or motivators need to be stellar performers from a dance perspective. So, I mean, just to kind of give a, a little thought to that, I, and I'm, I'm going to bounce back and forth, but we did a showcase this past week, and it was us in one room and another competitor in another room, and their dancers are, and MCs are known to be rock star dancers. You know, they're known to be able to do backflips and handsprings and be wild dancers but are they great performers? And we're not gonna knock on any other competitor, but we're gonna say, you know, we knew our dancers are good. Maybe they're not able to do the back handsprings and the flips that this other company could do. But the rave reviews that we got at our end of our performance said so much, like they just loved the connection and the ability. And they actually came to us and I remember one family clear as day said, the other company was intimidating. Not that they were great, on the microphone, but their dancing was intimidating. I'm afraid if they did
1: that at my party, guests wouldn't want to dance. I think that goes into training. So because uh, we're kind of open format discussion about dancers, we train our staff to look great when they do their moves. But their moves don't have to be out of control. If grandma can't do it, then there's no it has no business being there. Um, so what we say to our team is, listen, we are going to dance with you, not for you. You didn't pay to have us be a performance. And look, I've, I've had breakdance troops do half-hour performances during cocktail hour because it's cool to watch. But let's face it, you guys are the star of your show, not us. We're here to help facilitate a great memory, a great motivation, a great uh, event And it starts with the talent and it starts with the training that we give our talent. Sure, we have dancers. Like I have I, you know, we have three guys who are Sixers Dunk Squad. They have the ability to jump off of each other's backs and do flips. But are we clearing the dance floor in the middle of a rock and dance set to do that? No. There's a time and a place for that stuff. Right. So I think that it really goes to show that when you train the talent, regardless of their ability to do flips, tricks, and that breathtaking acrobatic, it comes down to Are they going to enhance your celebration from a perspective that you deem appropriate?
0: So Dylan, I'm going to ask you a question. Let's role play for a second. I'm a Mitzvah parent, and I say, I'm not looking to go too crazy. I want to have a modest
1: party. I don't need any dancers.
0: What's your response?
1: Well, first and foremost, I ask them, why do you believe that you don't need any dancers? And a lot of times the families will come back and say, I don't want any dancers because... I don't want anyone distracting from my party or I don't find a need for extra bodies on the dance floor. We have a dancing crowd. Like, one of those three things. And, look, you know your family's better than, than us and I have conceded to that a few times, but I will never tell a family that they shouldn't have assistance mm-hmm. in running their celebration because although they are labeled as dancers, like, the m- most minor part of their job is actually dancing. Right. Uh, whether it be... Helping assist your candle lighting, helping to organize your grand entrance. Listen, the gentlemen on the microphone or the ladies on the microphone who are your MCs, they are the people who are going to be coordinating everything top to bottom like a quarterback would. But without extra assistance, they're just one man, right. and they can't coordinate with the kitchen and coordinate with the music and coordinate the uh, you know the accent on the dance floor and then get you guys in order for your grand entrance. You need extra assistance. So at the very least, I tell families who say we don't need dancers, I say. Well, we need assistance to help throw the best party ever. Right. I, and, and that's why
0: the football team has as many players as they do, or baseball team has as many players as they do. You you need a team. Um, i, I got to give a shout-out to Chris Porter. Um, Chris was emceeing with us for a while, and he, he works at our sister company, Total. And I, I'll never forget, a client actually once said to him, Chris, you're such a good performer, and you're a hell of a dancer why do I need to hire any other dancers if you're going to be my MC? And he said, how many guests do you have? And I don't know, let's say they said 175. He goes, great. My arms are only so big. I can only reach around so many people at once. The dancers are extensions to my arms. And that saying has kind of stuck with me because it makes such great sense. You know, he could be on stage performing to the people in front of him, but what about the people in the back of the room or the back of the dance floor? Or, you know, the adults are on one side and the teens are on the other. I mean, we see all these things. So shout out to our dancers because they help tie the whole piece
1: together. Sure. We talk about um, just presence. And MCs, in most cases, will have the largest presence. But they have so many things to worry about that having the right team around them and the right numbers around them uh, in terms of support staff is really what helps drive the celebration when it's time for us to hand out props and prizes and when it's time to, uh, for us to get everyone quiet having multiple eyes and ears on the same page to execute the next moment create the impact faster and bigger yeah so i, I want to talk about the number of dancers in
0: just a quick second but thinking about you as an mc or any of the mcs there are so many moments that you're off the dance floor you got to go Check with the caterer. You got to find the photographer and let him know you're about to do a candle lighting. You have to go over your DJ and say, hey, you know, we need to buy 10 more minutes. The caterer is not ready. So there are many moments, especially Grand Entrance, where, you know, you work on warming up the crowd and then, you know, you actually have to step out of the room and make sure the family's ready. The dancers keep that party going on that dance floor. And they don't necessarily need to be on the mic, but some of them do. And that's kind of where the co MC, you know, more experienced dancers come in place because sometimes the MC will hand the mic to that you know dancer and keep the party going. I'll be right back, and you're not leaving, but you're literally stepping out of the room to make sure the family's ready for their introductions. And you know there there's very important moments because I, I think you're a host, not just an MC.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, our our dancers are trained the same way our MCs are, so it's almost like you're getting. Four MCs at your event you're getting four eyes and ears who are heavily trained in the industry at least when they are trained properly I mean, I know of an organization in Maryland called the Maryland motivators and their only job is They're outsourcing their dance troupe to other interactive entertainment companies on on the coast Uh So one of the coolest things that they're doing is they're training their staff to be that support energy for DJs and MCs Who've never done it before right? So I think that's, yeah. I mean, that's
0: cool. And actually, I mean, the whole outsource talent, I, I mean, just to touch on that for a second, I think what makes what we do so special is the cohesiveness of the team and that we can predict what each other are going to do. Um, I do know a lot of smaller companies that don't necessarily have teams, and they outsource or they call in favors, or left and right. Um, I just don't see that show being as smooth if the dancers don't know the MC's next move before the MC does it. Kind of yeah,
1: thing. Yeah, it's funny, My the dancers that have been with me for a while will have imitation days where they try to like know what I'm going to say next yeah. or know how I'm going to perform next. And that just shows the camaraderie and the uh, fortitude of what you're actually doing there. It's so cool because it only puts everyone on the same page without even really going over a game plan. Right. So let, let's talk about the number of dancers per party. Now, my, my rule of thumb
0: is never less than two. That, uh, that's I agree.
1: Never less than two. I agree. Um, let's talk about the reasons why, before we go into like, because I have a ratio in my head of what I've told families, but here's what you're getting. When you have an MC and two dancers, you now have three people on the floor dedicated to the impact on the floor. And not only do you have three people, but you have three different complementary personalities. When I go out, I am a poised, polished, you know, white dude with a great vocal presence. Then I have a beautiful you know you know young lady with me who's got tons of energy and I got a, a gentleman who's got tons of style, tons of swag and with that group of people we can reach everyone at the event whereas if I only had the female now I miss out on whatever that you know young vibrant um, swag driven male would have brought that 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 just style that that gentleman would have yeah. brought.
0: Well, you know what you're you're hitting home right now because I think so many times of some of the dancers that come to me and say, "Hey, you know, I'm not clicking that well with this group of kids, but the other group is really clicking with me so you know they they're you know they know I'm a lead on the job as one of the owners, so sometimes the dancer will come to me, "Hey, Mike, if you see me hanging with this group, it's only because that group's not feeling me, but they're really feeling the other one so you know, just to use examples, Bridget and Dom they they're they're very conscious of who likes them and doesn't like them at parties. And what you're hitting makes such good sense. There are sometimes the the awkwardness of a 13-year-old teen that may feel awkward in front of a pretty girl or a hot guy, you know. So they may click better with somebody of the same sex or maybe just the opposite, you know, it's the 13-year-old stud that wants to look like the coolest stud in the room. So he's only talking to the female dancers. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's why having at least two dancers is a great way to hit home because then you have someone giving out prizes while someone's on the dance floor while and then while the MC's doing his thing like you have now reach for yes, assistance.
0: And and talk talk about even cocktail hour, which we say over and over on this podcast is the most important part of a party because that's when we break the ice and you know get the get into the psyche of the kids and get them to trust us. You know, knowing that one dancer might be able to talk about sports, another one might be able to talk about uh, comic books, a third one might be able to talk about fashion, that allows us to connect with the kids. Because that's what we're doing. We're trying to get on their levels
1: and win them over during cocktail hour. Yep. And and so the more diverse personalities who are all on the same page, that elevates every aspect. It helps all the way across the board. Because now when we say, hey, it's time to be quiet, your toast is about to start everyone's quiet because they're listening to us yes they're listening to the dancers they're connected with them already yes and and again that's the psychological
0: like we need to get on their level during cocktail hour so they respect us because if sometimes I have a party this weekend that didn't want to do cocktail hour they just wanted to open the doors and start and I had to significantly push for that not to be the case because they were setting up their event for failure you know nobody walks in ready to dance adult or kid you know you walk in I don't care you go to a nightclub or you're going to a wedding or a bar mitzvah, you walk in and you need a little bit of warm-up time. Whether Acclimation, yep. Whether that's liquid courage or whether that's just breaking the ice with you know friends and family, but you need
1: to get acclimated. That's a good word. So I, I've, I've done a metric in the past where families will ask, how many dancers do I need? And I ask them about how many different formalities they're doing, how many different rooms are we in, because that will heavily dictate it. But let's say all things being equal – I would normally recommend, for every 25 guests, one person dedicated for them. Think about a classroom. In most schools nowadays, you're never going to have more than 25 kids in a class. I mean, even when you get into high school, and, and you guys know I teach college, I find it so difficult to connect with a room of my biggest lecture hall at 45 students, where when I have 25 or less, sure, the impact is so much greater. So I have seen... Success at a twenty-five to one ratio. Uh, that makes good. sense. I mean, I, I don't know how now, you guys know, are. You, you including the MC? As I am one not. Of the, you're not. Nice.
0: So, at a, if I'm understanding your math, though, a party of a hundred guests, you're
1: saying four dancers until the point of no return, where it becomes overwhelming. Okay, and that's when I talk to the families about what it, are their goals. Do they have a lot of moving parts? Do they have a lot of formalities? And what's the size of the room? I love four dancer packages. But not every family is a four dancer package family right now what I mean just
0: because you and I have not had this open conversation yet this is the first time they were doing we're recording it was so cool about this podcast is a real-life conversation yeah but if they had 200 guests are you putting on
1: eight dancers no I'm putting on typically an MC four dancers and an event coordinator to help alleviate some of the stressors that come with a large event for the MC's sake okay so that's, that's what I'm doing it's a good fair answer so
0: My metric is definitely different, but has a similar feel. You know, I've always been in the 100 to 125 guest range, two dancers, Um, and never less than that. So up to 125 guests, two dancers. In that 150-ish range, you're at usually three, and at the 175 to 200 guest count, I'm usually four. Um, But what you're saying makes great sense. I think I figured out where the
1: confusion is. Okay. 25 kids.
0: Ah, you didn't say that.
1: No, I didn't. And I had word vomit and I did not figure out why you were so confused because we've definitely talked about this in a little bit of a sense. Yes. Uh, so clarification, for every 25 young adults you have that you're looking for impact for, I recommend one talent outside of an MC. Yep. So if, yep. if, like I have done an amazing backyard second, you know, second grade graduation where it was me, a DJ, and a dancer and it was fire. But the minute I would have had 40 kids, then it becomes a little bit more difficult. Um, We just did a first grade um, like ice cream social and it was just me and 65 first graders. I was outnumbered. It was a great event, but I was outnumbered. I wasn't able to make the truest impact. I wish that that client had listened to saying, hey, we have a kids event that we need coordination with. And we would have recommended a dancer or two at that point. So, um, 25 kids for one dancer, and then to the point of no return. Like, if you have a hundred kids and a hundred adults, four dancers and a coordinator plus an MC would really make a big difference. That makes great sense to me. So, one of the points
0: that I do say to clients a lot is, you just don't want the dancer get lost in a crowd. You know, if you have, and sometimes they, sometimes one of my favorite things. Mike, my family, my friends, we're all crazy dancers. We love being on the dance floor. Great. That to me means you need even more dancers because we're going to get lost in your crowd. You know, if you want our interaction and you see the value of it, let us, you know, disperse amongst the crowd on the dance floor. And, and you know, there's some of these rooms that have huge dance floors. Again, even more reason to put more dancers on. Uh, if you're worried about space, you've got a tiny dance floor, you got a smaller crowd, then, you know, you got a little bit more wiggle room there.
1: Yeah, I, I, what we don't want families to, to have a stigma about is we are a dancing family, therefore we don't need dancers. Right. Like, that is the point of what I think you're saying. But let's talk about ways that dancers um, should should act at an event to not be lost. Mm-hmm. All right. The first thing that I would recommend is let's coordinate and get creative with your team and your theming. So, for example, what's been very popular is giving us branded shirts to tie the whole event together. That way, everyone knows exactly who the dancers and the MCs and the entertainment staff is because they're already swagged out in whatever your logo or your theming is. That's a great way to make sure that we stand out right from the jump. You know what? I know you have other thoughts, but I just want to just touch quickly on attire because it's been
0: on my mind, too. You know, often people are like, well, what are the dancers going to wear? So the, the logo T-shirts are huge for branding to stand out 100%. But, you know, sometimes it's a very elegant black tie event. Let's dress the part. Sometimes it's more of a casual party, you know, if it's a nightclub or something. Um, but how risque should the dancers be? And And sometimes that comes up. Why don't you like dancers, Mrs. Smith? Why didn't you want a dancer at your party? And they say, you know what? I I've seen these hoochie dancers at parties, and I don't want that. Well, that number one, that's not us, and that's a very easy fix. We dress according to what you tell us, and yeah. I I could think of a party that that actually I had to take the pictures off our website because it alerted some families. But the the host and hostess provided crop tops for the female dancers, and they were in these. Tight little bright pink crop tops. And they were sexy. They were flashy. And the girls looked great in it. But other clients are going through our website looking, oh, I don't want the dancers wearing that. So we'll dress according to what you want us in. And we, especially if there's a theme I should touch on yeah. that too. Yeah,
1: so one thing that we ensure is that our dancers are well protected and that they will look the part. So we would never recommend like... Clothes that either didn't fit appropriately, or if you wanted very specific clothes, we wouldn't put dancers that were built inappropriately for that. Like, we have Darren, who's an MC and a dancer, and he is, like, the Hulk incarnate. Yeah. Like, he's a huge dude, where if they are looking to do super, super fitted shirts, well, you better get Darren 12 of them, because he's gonna sweat and rip right through it. So we would advise, you know, when you start thinking about what you want our dancers in, let's talk about who we're actually gonna put on your team to ensure that that's an appropriate look for them. Um, what we do a lot is if you give us T-shirts, the girls will cut them up to fit their style, or if we're doing, you know, an event that is themed specifically. Like I know I did a uh, um, a Luau themed event last summer, a Luau themed Bat Mitzvah, and the the family gave us, uh, you know, a couple dollars to go out and spend it on blue shirts mm-hmm. and I got everyone the correct size fit and right. it looked the part. So we have the flexibility of doing that for you as well. Give us your theming, give us your style. If you want us in lab coats because it's a science themed event, then we're gonna go find lab coats for you.
0: Yeah. So you don't have to do that. We'll do that for you. I did a win we did a Winter Wonderland party and the dancers were in Scullies and, you know, gloves and it was awesome. Let let's just talk about the the quantities too, because some you know, we always get those phone calls. How many shirts? What sizes? Well, the only issue is that every t-shirt comes in different size. You know, are you getting form-fitting? Are you getting, you know, men's cut and a female's cut? So, no matter what I always say, get some extras. You know, get some extras. We'll use them as giveaways or you could have them after the party and you keep them as a momentum from the party. But, you know, if you have three dancers, don't just get three t-shirts. Oh Number God, one, they're yeah. going to sweat through it. Number two, what if somebody got sick and we have to replace, you know, what if Darren was the dancer and you planned an extra large shirt and then we sent, I, I don't know, somebody in a, an, a, a guy small? You know, like, just plan a couple extras. You know, uh, that way there's backup. It's always, yeah. for a couple bucks on the t-shirt, it
1: just makes sense. And then you guys get them when you're done or we give them out as props and prizes throughout the event and it makes a big, big themed impact. I mean, uh, I think that if you're having three dancers uh, doing... And let's say that you were doing all the same cut, all the same style shirt. I would recommend doing three of each size, all the way across the board. Yep. At the very worst, you hit everyone's sizing, and at the very best, now everyone has multiple sizes yep. or multiple shirts in their size that now they can. Change and if into. there's extra, the photo booth person, the zap shop person, the DJ, they could all rock them. And now you have branding all across your room, which is looks amazing in photos. Now you you see your brand everywhere. You worked so hard on this. Now let's 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 elevate
0: it. Honestly, you know, I hate I hate to say that people are looking to brag, but there's nothing more impressive than showing, you know, 12 staff members wearing your t-shirt. Like families and walk around, "Oh my like, god, they have they have 12 staff members here." You know, and and it's often often there are 12 employees of ours at a given party.
1: And in the worst-case scenario, you say, "Listen, we're not doing branded shirts. We don't care what you wear." We're going to look at the part, we're going to dress appropriately, we're going to ensure that our staff is covered well, but they still have their, their style to it, and we're going to accent in the appropriate ways. So hiring any reputable company that specializes in, in interactive entertainers, they're going to dress the part.
0: Can I touch on age of dancers? I think it's also an important thing. You know, we said that the longevity of a dancer, you know, isn't necessarily the most important piece. But I I am a firm believer that dancers shouldn't be too young. You're kind of the anomaly starting at 12 years old. Not that you were dancing at 12, but, you know, to be mature enough to be able to interact with the adults and to know right and wrong, I do think that dancers need to be at least 20 years old in most
1: cases. Yeah, there's one in... Fifty cases where they're younger than 18 and they're able to hold themselves appropriately. I mean, Samaj was uh, an anomaly. Melinda was an anomaly. But when it comes down to it, we're hiring appropriately aged college kids and above.
0: Most of our dancers are probably around 25 years old. And a good friend of mine in a very different industry says, Mike, I can't believe you hire these people that are of that age demanding such pay. Why don't you just hire younger, cheaper people? But you lose reliability and you lose personality. And, you know, not to stereotype, but, uh, you know, the reliability of a 16 or 17 year old is nothing like the reliability of a 26 year old.
1: Yeah, um, there are a few times where that isn't the case. Um, like, for example, some of the best staff that I've ever hired, I hired right when they turned 16. But we put them in the right place. Roles. Yeah, and what I mean by that is, look, we do camps, we do other events. So when it comes to the mitzvah side of it, we have basically our farm team working yeah. their way up, and they're never gonna touch a mitzvah floor until they are one thousand percent trained and the appropriate age. Right, they gotta look, dress, and act the part.
0: You know, there's a there's so much. It's funny, but there is so much training that goes in behind the scenes, and and usually it's not how to dance, but
1: it's how to act. How to be appropriate with grandma and the ten-year-old little brother, someone who may have special needs, someone who has sensory, um, you know, s- sensory overload, you yeah. know, type of symptoms. So how to act, how to feel, how to appropriately engage, and the words to say. Listen, thirteen-year-olds are some of the most difficult people in the world. I told you about the most outrageous group of kids I've ever had, and because of the training, my staffs, my staff shined.
0: You know, I, I mean, we could probably do a whole podcast on some of the craziest things that we've heard from dancers, but I, maybe I should put it out there and, and you know, we're, we're at our 30-minute mark, so I kind of want to tie it up sooner than later here, although this podcast could keep going because it's a great topic. But um, I think that, you know, it should be brought up some of the things that the dancers incorpor- encounter, you know, the uh, lewd comments that the 12 and 13-year-olds make to them um sometimes the inappropriate things that they do or try to do yeah uh i mean the dancers for the most part have thick skin and they put up with a
1: lot but uh you know kudos to all of them really yeah i mean this podcast should serve twofold it's it's an homage to our dancers and a um just educational session for anyone who's looking to hire dancers and motivators in the future um our, our team is trained in a way where you are never to blow your top on a, on a kid and you are never to, you know, uh, put your hands on a kid in any capacity. Like all of those things matter. Um, and we train them extensively in that for a lot of reasons, but also the, the safety of them and, and your guests. Yeah, um, You know, we, we do an extensive amount of research and training before we even put someone out there. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm always nervous putting dancers out for the first time, but
0: they never go out as a lead or as, you know, generally speaking, if a client hires two dancers and we have somebody new, they're the third. They're putting yeah, we're extra.
1: Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, some families have reaped the benefit of when we're training a new MC, a new DJ, a new tech, or a new photo like you have an extra pair of talent yeah. out there so I mean that's something that we do all the time, and and for the industry folks that are listening to us, that's a great opportunity. You have field training built into your, you know, your industry.
0: Yeah, and and look, we we've we've ran across flaky new talent that doesn't show up, so that's why they're put on as an extra and not as
1: one of the expected. Yeah, any reputable company will never stress test uh, a dancer for the first time and, by themselves. But
0: you know, we're we're reputable, we're experienced, but. You know again what's out there in this industry to, I, I used to say a lot of time you don't need a college degree you don't need a certificate it's not like you had to go to school to become a DJ you just download some music on iTunes you buy a set of speakers you could call yourself a DJ so the credentials to get into the industry aren't there if you're planning a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah or any high level event make sure you're working with somebody that has the experience the reputation you know uh, to pull this off and, and, and understands the importance of it. So things like dancers not showing up are just not even, it's not even a concern of ours.
1: Yeah. I've had families ask us, you know, uh, what makes a great dancer outside of their danceability and their talent? And honestly, I think that the number three thing after that is their is extensive training. Yeah. So I, I think that's a really good point. So if you want to ask, you know, one of the hard questions... Ask your entertainment company, how do you train your staff? Yeah. You know, what do you do uh, to train your staff? We have a dancer program. We have dancer academies. Like, we're, we're putting them through the ringers. We're putting them through the stress test. So um, that helps at least us vet the good, the bad, and the ugly. Absolutely.
0: So I think, uh, shout out to Mike Walter if you're hearing this. We should put a bow on this episode, as he would say. Um, this is episode number 33, Mastering Mitzvahs. Michael Langsner, Dylan Weissman, coming back at you next week. I think we missed last week, but we're back on the weekly schedule. And, uh, again, if anybody has any ideas, content that you want us to
1: touch, please uh, shoot us a message. Sounds good. We'll see you soon.